Hi there, my name is Dana Coyas, and you're listening to a podcast put on by Roasted Pepper Studios where we talk to photographers about their business, their business of photography. And this week we're talking to Rick Dalton, who's a photographer out of Fort Worth. Rick, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I checked out your website and um, and I clicked through a little bit. I got to one of the galleries and I was absolutely stunned by some of the, the commercial work that you've done. And I don't know if you know the pictures I'm talking about. There's like a guy with a giant drill bit and he's smoking a cigarette. Right. It's actually a screw conveyor, but yes. Yeah, a screw conveyor. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, man. Uh, I, I think... I think it's something that you can tell you've been doing this for more than more than a year or two. When when did you start? I started actually like most of us as a hobbyist uh, back uh, man over twenty years ago, and and uh, I had a Canon AE one, and uh, actually I guess I started with the Practica, and then uh, moved up uh, fairly soon after that to a Canon AE one. Learned how to process my own. Uh, black and white film, and then color slide film, and then uh, eventually I was in the, in the service at the time, just doing it as a hobby, and came back to the United States and and uh, worked part time at a photography studio, and also learned how to print color, which was um, a great <laughs> great uh, um, tool to have in my in my toolbox, and uh, it really made me a better photographer, but. Uh, I ended up going to UTA, got a bachelor's degree in journalism, worked on the staff of the Sartelegram for four years, and um, you know, I've been on my own for about 20, I guess, a little over. How did you start working on your own? Because that's kind of the question a lot of people have. You know, they're, you know, they're people like me who can take some some pictures here or there, but it's you know, it's not a, a money maker yet. So, uh, you know, one of the questions that has been coming up occasionally is, how do you go from you know, your day job to, to making money at it. And, uh, I'm always curious to ask people, you know, how did you, how did you turn the corner, Rick? Well, my first paying job was really, um, like most people's first paying job, I suppose it's, you know, some tightwad that you know, or that you're related to says, Hey, would you photograph X or Y for me and, and do it on the cheap? And I had a roommate who said, would you photograph my wedding? And, and I said, I've never even been to a wedding. I don't have any photography training, but um, you know, and he said, "Oh, that's okay. I'll give you a roll of film and, and 25 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it was at the time, and and uh, you know, photograph my wedding." And actually, from there, someone saw the images and said, "Wow, I really like your work. Can you photograph our wedding?" And so that sort of uh, got me going down the wedding path, and then. Uh, I eventually started working as an assistant, uh, printing photos for a master photographer, uh, Dale Brandt, and he taught me a lot about lighting, posing, and um, and I also learned, like I said earlier, black and white printing, perfected that, and or you know got better at it, and also learned how to print color, and um, eventually left that, and you know I think sooner or later we all get those phone calls from friends who say, hey, you know you're a good photographer, and um, you know, can you do this little thing for me? Can you do that little thing for me? And I, I think really going from there to um, that level when you're actually marketing and, and doing business with people you don't know, uh, that's the big jump, you know, and that's frequently from referrals or, you know, these days you have applications I didn't have, you know, things like Facebook, uh, Craigslist, et cetera. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I, I think there's different routes to get to that point of being a quote-unquote professional. Um, and whatever works, works. Uh, you know, and, and I think for some people, maybe joining a camera club or, or, or something like that can be helpful. And networking is obviously huge. Uh, but, you know, there's other opportunities, I, I, I think. Um, now, everybody's going to go out and do this, but I want to say that a lot of places will, will uh, you know, have sort of a, a gallery of your images at, at businesses. You know, find a business where maybe you know the owner or they have some wall space and say, hey, look, you know, can I hang some photos here? And uh, I want to say that there are some Starbucks that will allow you to hang photos at their at their, at their stores. At their- if, if Starbucks doesn't, if they don't, there's a independent coffee shops almost always do. I I've had some of my work in those coffee shops. You, and you really got to work it. You really got to hustle. And if you don't, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. Things are going to just keep right. trickling on. And to your point, you know, sometimes you have some uh, tightwad friends. Is that what you call them? Sorry, I forgot that wrong. Or or you okay. have uh, a local business that. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you have local businesses that you're you're hunting down, and you're uh, you're you you're asking them to put your stuff in to their place, and it's sure, sure is a lot cheaper than opening a gallery and and paying for rent on a gallery. That's for sure. Sure, you know, and if you most of us have friends who are doing a small business of some sort, maybe you like cars or motorcycles or something like that, and so you hang out at the local motorcycle shop and. You know, you get friends and you you you, um, you, know, you see various guys on their bikes and you say, hey, look, you know, can I get a picture of you and your and your motorcycle? And you know, the thing is not to just just uh, allow your images to be mediocre, but really push yourself and push yourself and push yourself, you know. And and if if you're into motorcycles, boy, go read some magazines and get some ideas from some of the best motorcycle photographers out there. And then try to replicate it. You know, not copy it, but you know, put your own spin on it. And um, I think that most people these days are uh, the ones who aren't going to make it. They're not making it because they don't push themselves. They just accept where they've always been. And and um, and if their friends think that their work is good, then, then they're happy and they're smiling. And and you can't you can't stop that. You've got to keep going. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's hard to know that that you're at one of those. I, call it a plateau that yeah, you think everything's fine, but it really could be going further and you don't realize it until you start talking to someone or you start looking at someone else's work and you realize, Oh yeah, that's right. I, I could actually be doing more. Oh, whoops. <laughs> so. Right. To- and I think that that's one of the beauties of the internet and Facebook and things like that, social media, et cetera, is, is that there's always new fresh blood out there doing creative new out of the box things. And, you know, um, it's just amazing the quality of, of work that's coming out there. And now we have ready access to it so that we really can uh, be inspired by others and also experience the humility of going, wow, maybe I guess I'm not as good as I thought I was. So you started off with some some wedding photography. Like, Is that where you are now? Probably a third of my business is wedding photography and related. You know, that would be bridal uh, photos, engagement photos. Uh, another third is it's a growing percentage is commercial photography and um, and then the rest is you know just um, odds and ends for a thousand you know it's it's um, a little bit of baby photography some high school students family portraits 
Where do you, where do you take most of your pictures? Are they on location? Do you have like a giant downtown skyscraper that you rent out the top floor of? No, I, I, um, used to have a studio in Denbrook off 377. And then I moved to Camp Bowie and was on the brick part of Camp Bowie for seven years. And then I realized that I really wasn't using my studio that often and it just wasn't, you know, paying for itself. And so I, I closed that up and moved into my home office, but what was that like? Um, it was good. We moved into a we moved into town a little closer, and uh, we bought a house that was big enough that we could have uh, my office space and a reception area, and uh, it wouldn't interfere. We also wanted a house that had a half bath so that our our, uh, our customers, our clients, could come and and uh, really not interfere with the family so much. And it's it's been um, it's been good. I mean, we have a family of six. Uh, my wife stays home, so we got four kids and. And it can be bustling, and we've got a, a dog that thinks she owns the world. And, and so, you know, we just have to set up appropriate boundaries and all that. Because I think a lot of people, you know, who are just starting out, they, they take a look at the people who've made it and the people who are successful, and, and they may see that those people have a studio and they may have assistants or they may have a second photographer. And, and that becomes the target. That becomes what they're working towards. That's it's tough to get to that point, isn't it? If you said that you closed down your studio to move your studio into a place where you also live, that kind of leads me to believe it's a lot of expenses that you know you may not want to be incurring just yet, or ever. If, it if is, anything, it, it really is. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and I think let's say that my rent was a thousand dollars a month. You know, and people think, well, gee, it costs you a thousand dollars a month. No, it costs you considerably more than that because, um, there are, you know, you've, you've got rent, but you've got insurance and you have electricity and you have, you might have natural gas and you might have, and gas, you know, driving back and forth. And then, well, gee, if, if I'm hungry, I walk over to the refrigerator and grab something to eat. Well, if I'm on the road, I might have to go to a fast food restaurant, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and if, if I have a day when I'm just going to be sitting in front of the computer, which happens, you know, quite a bit, you know, I just put on a pair of jeans or, or, or whatever and, and uh, tennis shoes and, and hang out, you know, and, and there's not a, the, I don't have to get all dressed up and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a lot of incidental um, things that, that, that play in dollar wise that can really be detrimental to moving out and, and Really, the the uh, the thing that I've heard over and over again with is a lot of photographers start out working out of their home. Uh, the goal is to be on the street, and they they do that, they accomplish that, they get a studio on the street, and then really in their final phase of photography, they or their their uh, pre-retirement phase, they move back into their home. They realize that you know the studio for some people is is wonderful, uh, but for other people it's just not necessary. People who don't take pictures, they think that photographers are always out on the street taking pictures and that they're always at some event somewhere taking pictures. Uh, I know that's not the truth. It's just like any other job. There's a lot of prep work that goes into making a good picture. But with photography, there's also a lot of post work, right? So how does how does your day or week or month, how does your time get divvied up to, to do what you need to do? That's a great question. And, and uh, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, when I had two full-time staff members, uh, they were doing a lot of the Photoshop work, and, and they were doing the QuickBooks, and they were doing the, the this, that, and the other thing. And 
and I kind of managed it and, and did the photography and, and uh, you know, I'm not at that situation anymore. When I, when I closed the studio, I, I, uh, I really took over, um, my wife takes over the, uh, the QuickBooks portion of that. But, um, you know, there's just things that I do day in and day out that I really don't enjoy that much, but it's got to be, it's got to be done. And, and probably the bulk of my time, uh, when I'm not shooting is in front of the computer in Lightroom. Uh, I think people think that photographers are always in Photoshop. And I probably spend 10% of my computer time in Photoshop and the rest of it, or the vast majority of it, I spend in Lightroom. And um, <clears throat> it's just a great tool for, for me. You know, if I were shooting 10 photos at an assignment, I might not do that. But you know, at a wedding, I'm shooting 1,000, 2,000 or more images. Uh, even on a, a commercial job I did last Saturday, it was four hours, and I shot over 1,000 images. And so, you know, you got to go through and make sure that bad ones get tossed, the dark ones get made lighter, the, the blue ones, you know, you add some yellow, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, a lot of my day is, is, is doing that, it's answering phones, it's checking email. I, I try not to get too um, engrossed in Facebook. I just, you know, try to limit my time there because that, that can be such a time sucker. Uh, but by the same token, there are people that, that want to reach you that way. And so, I do think it's important for photographers to have a Facebook page, uh, to be on LinkedIn, and uh, to use those tools. Just don't get, you know, um, it, it's just real tempting to get sucked into various activities on the computer that are a huge time waster. You know, you mentioned you mentioned QuickBooks, and you know, I think most people who are out there taking pictures and they're doing it in their spare time. I don't think they think about things like QuickBooks or accountants or. <laughs> Or lawyers, for that matter, or or incorporating, you know, as a as a company, rather than doing it just on their own, and you know how how important do you see the things that are behind the scenes in running your photography business? You know, past, present, future, you know, the whole thing. That's a great question because I think so many photographers think that if they're if they're good then people will find them. You know, they'll, they'll put some photos on a website and, and people will just magically find you. Um, <clears throat> you know, in, in Fort Worth, um, if you Google Fort Worth photographers, you're going to find tens of thousands of photographers. I mean, how are you going to make yourself rise to the top? How are you going to find business? And I, I think, as uh, someone told me one time, I, I walked into a photography seminar. I was so excited about going to this guy wedding photographer in the world and he's from Australia and he was, he was in Dallas for a week and I'm sorry for, for a day and uh, I went to the workshop and I mean right out of the shoot somebody asked him a question and, and his answer was, was so right on and 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 it just it's like you know what if I leave right now I've paid for this workshop and what he said was we have to be as creative in our marketing as we are in our photography you know and, and I think that just it, it, it eases the you know questions and, mm -hmm. and other thing as well. It's kind of well, what does that mean, you know? And 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 you know, well, for for me as the guy who does weddings, um, you know, I mean, am I going to do bridal fairs? Am I going to be in magazines? Well, maybe um, those things can be really costly. Um, what are some ways that I can can reach brides? Well, 
you know, you can do retail and you can do wholesale trying to get brides, you know, and, and, and I have people that call me every week saying, oh, well, you know, this is TCU and, or, or some other college and, and advertising our student newspaper because you can get some future brides. Well, okay, I could advertise there. I could spend my money there. As a businessman, that's a decision you have to make. But I could go to a bridal fair where almost everybody there is is a bride, prospective bride. Um, or I can do even better than that, which is connect with a wedding coordinator. And there you're just connecting with one person who is tapped into all these dozens and dozens of brides. And so I think that sometimes we get locked into thinking, you know, we just go take out an ad in, in this magazine or, or we do whatever is the standard. Man, hook up with a wedding gown place or something like that and create a mutually beneficial um, system of referrals and, and giving them samples, etc. And again, thinking outside the box, being creative in a, in a, um, in a marketer. So, so how do you market yourself? That's a great question. And it's, you know, because of uh, the internet and because of various um, technologies, we're, it's, it's a constant evolution, you know, and, and um, it's, yeah, there's blogging and there's, of course, the website. We get a lot of web uh, traffic. Um, I've been able to generally be on page one or two of, of Google for searches that I'm interested in. Uh, and I've, ha I've been able to do that without um, without having to pay people. Normally, I mean, we get tested every, every week almost. And somebody saying, we can get you on page one of Google. And, um, you know, and that can be costly, hundreds of dollars, you know, and uh, don't ask me exactly what I did because I don't know. I tried a bunch of different things, <laughs> but somehow together, you know, um, we're there, you know, and, and uh, I amazed myself one time using one of the techniques I did um, on my blog. I, I, I photographed a, a wedding and an engagement session in Port Angeles, Washington, and just sort of for fun, it's, it's, it's a smaller town. But I put a blog post in and, uh, you know, used keywords throughout the blog, et cetera. And, and um, about two weeks later, I did a, a, a Google search for engagement photographers, Port Angeles, and I was on page one. <laughs> it was like, nice. wow, this is cool, you know. And so it really dawned on me, you know, um, you know, sometimes we think, okay, I want to be on page one for Fort wedding photographers. Well, wait a minute. What about Hearst? What about Colleyville? What about Southwick? What about... Island Park, what about, you know, um, Cleburne, you know, uh, Burleson? That's a really good point is that uh, sometimes we spend so much time looking for the big fish that there's just a slightly smaller fish right next to it. And there's not just one, there's 10. <laughs> so you can actually do a little bit better if you're not right. always necessarily focused on that big fish of, like you said, Fort Worth wedding photographers. Right. I, I think for marketing for my commercial work, uh, one of the things I'm not doing as much because I'm kind of busy right now with my commercial stuff. I don't really have to look for clients. But um, for that aspect, I think if someone were getting into it, what I would say is, you know, you can put an ad on, you know, various places. There's lots of different places to advertise commercial photography. Um and, and you can literally go around door to door to businesses saying, hey, do you need photography? Um, and certainly, you know, a person could get some work that way. Or you can go to an ad agency, you know, and say, well, gee, these guys are the ones who are 
you know, if a company is going to be doing advertising, they're probably using an ad agency. And the ad agency is going to contact the photographers. There are, you know, dozens of agencies and uh, marketing companies that you can connect with and say, hey, here's what I do. Here are some samples of my work. And then just keep your images in front of them. Every month, email an art director or, or someone in the key position there and talk to them and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm new to the business. I'm, I'm trying to get my feet wet. You know, give me some feedback. Help me, help me, uh, help me help you. You know, make make it a symbiotic relationship where you're you're scratching their back and and, and uh, they're scratching yours. Yeah, that's actually some that's some really good advice uh, to to focus on those connections that have those clients already. Not necessarily, like you said, going door to door, but to find the people who already have a, a basket of customers that you can leverage. We'll say leverage. That's the word we're going to use. Uh, so you can leverage to to help yeah. benefit your, yourself and your business out. Yeah, and you know it expands beyond uh, the commercial realm, but but certainly the commercial realm is a is a great example of of that. And like I alluded to earlier, you know the wedding coordinators, um, they're the go to people. And, and quite honestly, um, if a bride's going to be spending ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars or more. On her wedding, uh, chances are she and her sister aren't doing it. They're, they've got a wedding coordinator taking care of that, that form. And those are the those are the weddings that I like. The ones that you know their receptions are at the Fort Worth Club, they're at the City Club, the destination wedding, um, you know the, the nicer clubs in town. You know those are the brides I'm interested in. And it's really kind of funny. I mean, it, I, people think that oh gee, you know you're just doing it for money. It's actually one of the crazy things is that the cheaper the weddings that I did, and, and occasionally still do, those end up being more problematic. You know, the bride's late. Um, the people don't respect you, and they don't they don't do what you wanted to do. And then you've been to my website. Some of the poses and some of the things that I do is a little out there. And um, you know, but my brides are, <clears throat> you know, for the most part, they're open. They know that I'm going to do something that's a little outside the box and it's creative and and they go with me on that. And um, some of the other brides, when I get on the lower end, they, they're they not as um, uh, likely maybe to, uh, to, to do some of the crazy things that I might ask them to do. Because let's go down to Main Street and stand in the middle of, of Main Street and get a photo with the courthouse in the background and kind of look at you like, what? <laughs> you know, and then I'll get a, a, a physician in his life. Uh, his new wife, and they're like, "Yeah, man, that sounds great, Rick. Let's do it." You know, so um, I, I have a lot of fun on on those weddings, and, and uh, well, I have a lot of fun on all of them. But um, anyway, weddings weddings are really different from from commercial in some ways, and, and similar similar in others. But you know, pretty much any of that stuff, it's it's going to be if you photograph one, it, you, know, you can do 400 weddings. And the next one is going to be different than all of those previous 400. And to some degree, a lot of the commercial work is the same way. Have you ever had a dry spell? Right. You know, like, was there a time when business just dried up? You know, not totally dried up, but yeah. I mean, we're we're going through a time when things have definitely slowed down. Um, I've slowed down on my wedding marketing. You know, I used to do bridal fairs two and three a year. And I don't do those anymore, and those were a pretty steady stream of, of weddings. It's a great way to uh, see what other photographers are doing because it, it ends up being, to some degree, uh, at least a lot of the bridal 
bears that are out there. There's kind of a mini photographer's convention, and, and you know, there's like 12 of your competitors there, and, you know, you talk to them, you, you get their price list, you look at them, what they're doing, and and that's how I really opened my eyes and realized, I mean, I tripled my, my prices in real short order because I realized that, you know, what I was offering and what I was charging wasn't anywhere comparable to some, what some of the other guys were charging and what they were offering. You know, I think that's huge, actually. Oh, it is, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I walked in kind of typical photographer and, you know, gee, it's just a little old me and gee, this print only cost me 50 cents. You know, how dare I charge you more than $5 for it? And then I'm looking around at these other guys and I felt like their work was, was similar and they're charging like five and 10 times what I was charging for some of my stuff. And I was like, holy cow, I've got some room to reach up the price. And, and uh, I think one of the big fears for photographers is raising your prices. And I mean, I went from $375 for my cheapest package to like 500 and held my breath and was like, oh no, is anybody going to book me? And next thing I know, I was at 1,000 and, and again, holding my breath and thinking, oh, is anybody going to book me? And, and you know, it, there for a long time, I was booking more and more weddings the more I raised my prices. But yeah, it's it's um, it's actually showing them how good you think you are. <laughs> if if you think you're so so, you may charge a so so price, and uh, and in you know it's everywhere in retail. Uh, customers use price as sure. a signaling device. They see, oh, you charge five thousand dollars for your smallest package. You must be the best. I want the best. So okay, I'll buy. I'll buy. Yeah, I think if we, if either one of us walked into a car dealership, and and you know, the, the salesperson said, hey, we've got this brand new car here. It's $8,000. Well, we're not going to expect much out of that car uh, for $8,000. Right, right. Um, and, and I'm going to go, no, I think I want something else. I think I want that, you know, that one that's two or three times that, that price. Because we want, we associate quality and workmanship with, with the, the higher price. You get what you pay for. How many times have we heard that? So, so before before we started our, our conversation today, um, you you had you had sent me a couple questions. One of them I, I really liked, and I wanted to, wanted to use it, and I think I'm just going to steal it uh, and use it going forward. And that was, you know, what are some good educational tools for the aspiring pro photographer? And and I know that everyone's coming from a different background, and everyone wants to do something different. But again, it comes down to resources. You know, podcasts like this hopefully are a good resource. People like yourself amazing, wonderful resources, but, you know, what are some other things that are out there perhaps that you've used that you've seen that have helped you out? You know, I think one of the best things that you can do, uh, and I, I see young people and they, oh, gee, I want to be a photographer, and so they run off to this college or that college, and they, they spend mom and dad's money or they go in debt, and they don't realize, and I, I hope I'm bursting some bubbles here, but and they don't realize that if they just do a little bit of homework, you know, and, and look up photographers in their city and do a search around and go, okay, I really like this guy's work. I like what they're doing. And I like this gal. Boy, oh boy, love that stuff. Call them up. Ask them. And I know this sounds a little counterintuitive, but ask them, hey, look, can I just come hang out with you? I'll help you carry your bags. I'll help you set up your lights. I'll be quiet. I'm not going to, you know, annoy you and pester you. 
can I come on some of your weddings? I mean, if you like the style of what somebody's doing and they look like they're successful, just ask if you can hang out and dump their trash. And, and you know, maybe it's one day a week or whatever. And tell them, look, I'm, I don't want to pay for this. I don't, I don't want to, you know, you don't have to pay me for this. But you would get a college education in pretty short order. And it would be better than a college education in mm -hmm. a lot of ways because it's so practical. You know, and mm -hmm. if you have a question, um, you know, you can you can ask them. So I've been hanging out with local photographers, certainly going to camera clubs and stuff. That's good. It's a good starting point. Um, there is a video series called Photo Vision, and that's with Ed Pierce, and that is an amazing um, um, look into some of the best photographers, not only in the United States, but in the world. And, and he documents them in their studio, on location, and in the various genres. It's, it's weddings, it's seniors, it's eh, not so much commercial, but, you know, portraits, sales, babies, um, marketing. And, and they just really dig into that and send a DVD to me each month. Usually they'll have about four different uh, topics. And uh, that's a great resource and probably one of the best. This is a fairly recent one. I'm sure uh, people are aware of this. This one's absolutely free. And it's called creativelive.com. And in, on Creative Live, it's based in Seattle. It's a full day workshop that they do live. You can even fly up there occasionally and, and be in the studio. But they literally have some of the best in the business from around the world. Uh, Bambi Cantrell. Um, uh, Marcus, um, uh, Marcus Bell from Australia, um, you know, Dennis Reggie, eh, no, Dennis hasn't been there, Jasmine Starr, I mean, all these people who were just huge photographers come up there, it's a live broadcast, once the broadcast is over at the end of the day, they redo it, so straight through, no breaks, and then uh, if you just love it and, and, and want to, uh, to get a copy of it yourself, you, you, you pay something paltry like $99 and it's yours and you can listen to it whenever you want and uh, you can um, email in questions during the broadcast it's a it's really amazing um, opportunity and like I said that one's free that's probably the best uh, free education for photographers but there are other ones that you can avail yourself of there are various photographer forums that are out there um, the one thing I would say is just be leery of the, the forms where everybody just pats you on the back and tells you how good that is and, oh, you're so wonderful. You oh, know, that's good advice. Um, that false sense, of, <laughs> you know, that false sense of, of, oh, gee, you're wonderful. No, you want to go to a place where people will look at your work and say, no, um, why did you use broad light on that person? They have a real oval face and you broad light and you're making the face look heavier. And you've got a man in a feminine tilt. I mean, did you do that deliberately, or was that just a mistake? And, and you go, dang, broad light, short light, feminine tilt, what is all this stuff? And you actually learn it, and then once you have those tools in your, in your toolbox, you can go, okay, you know, now I, you know, I can use this next time and get better and better and better. Um, but, and I think wherever you go, that's what you need to look for, is someone who will mentor you, who will help you, take you where you are, and take you to the next level. Not beat you up, but also you don't want to, you don't want you know a bunch of moms who go, 
oh, that's great, son. You're just doing beautiful work, you know. <laughs> help you. You ego, you know, your ego grows, but, uh, but I love, your photography doesn't grow. I love your mom impression. It's That's awesome. <laughs> and, and you got a good point with, with advice. You know, any advice that is just either blatantly good or blatantly bad is it's probably just love is what that is. It's <laughs> advice with right. with specifics as to why that person is giving that advice is usually a lot better. You know, uh, I didn't like this this photo because for these reasons it didn't it was missing a certain aspect. And I think that's advice that you can build upon and you can be a better photographer out of. Right. I think today there are fewer and fewer people. I mean, there's a lot of people who call themselves professional photographers. And I think the thing that really kind of troubles me is that, you know, the root word for professional has nothing to do with income. It's, it's you know, but that has become the de facto definition. Well, somebody paid me to, to take their pictures, therefore I'm a professional photographer. Well, if my neighbor pays me to change her flat tire, gives me five bucks, it doesn't make me a mechanic. I don't have the tools, I don't have the training, and I don't have the experience, you know, and so many photographers uh, have forgotten that that root word for professional is proficient, and so few people these days are learning the actual craft of photography, and they're just putting in the camera on P and, and taking snapshots and chasing kids around at the park and, and stuff like that. And, and that's good as a good starter, but you've got to take it to the next level. If you really want to become a professional, if you really want to grow and, and, and make some serious income, you've got to do what the masses are not doing. And just look around. Look on Facebook. Look, look at, you know, go to the Botanic Gardens on a Saturday and look at what the other quote-unquote professionals are doing. And if you're doing that, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because there's, your commodity because everybody is doing that and so guess what it's just a matter of finding the cheapest one who will do it you know and, and i think customers are looking for something different they're looking for something special and uh you know pretty much most of the stuff on, on living social on groupon it's it's the same 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 stuff and um don't gravitate toward it try to try to amp your your images up take them to a different level so you, you've done this for a while, uh, a few years now, right? And and you make your living at, at taking pictures and, and being a photographer. And that's a place where some people want to end up. And and even, you know, photography aside, a lot of people want to go into business for themselves. Uh, one of the one of the scary things is is turning the corner and and quitting a day job or, or taking risk. You know, what are some of the things that that you think about before you, before you have taken risks or before you take those jumps or leaps of faith into your next career or into a, a large purchase or or really anything that has to do with your business. Yeah, let me let me back up. I mean, I want to answer that question, but I also want to back up to something that, that we briefly discussed earlier, and 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 that is, if you're going to start a business, do it the right way. I mean. Register with the state. Get a sales sales number. I mean, um, that's important because if you're not charging sales tax and if you're not paying sales tax and 
Social Security, self-employment tax, yada, yada, yada. I know it's a pain, but you know what? If you're not paying it, that means that I'm paying your share, and that's just not fair. Um, the other thing is, and I can tell you horror stories of people who got busted and penalties and interest and all that stuff. And if you're out there on Facebook, if you're out there advertising your work, don't think that the state doesn't have access to that information. And if the state collects sales tax stuff, they turn that information over to the federal government, and then they come after you for, for that money. So done with that, with that sermon. But I just really want to warn people. I know there's a lot of people under the radar. Please come out of hiding and, and, and be legitimate. But one of the other huge factors, I think, Dana, is, is don't go into debt to get your business going. So many businesses, the vast, vast majority of all new businesses will be out of business within five years. And you don't want to be strapped with a whole bunch of, of, of debt. Um, do it gradually. I have never borrowed any money to get my business going. And I think that's one of the things that's helped to sustain it was the fact that, you know, I just bought enough gear to, to do what I needed to do. And then as I got more money, I would invest that into, you know, additional gear. But, you know, I wasn't borrowing from family. And, and well, I made one small <laughs> loan from a family member. Um, but, you know, the, I think that is another key aspect of, of going into business for yourself is staying debt-free. Um, and the other one is, you know, um, really you have to ask yourself, is this, really what I want to do. I mean, is this where I want to, to um, you know, really sink my my teeth into to this profession? It's it's fun. It's great. We have people who are all over our work, but that's not enough. I mean, you, you, you have to have more than just a passion for the oohs and ahs. You have to have a business. You have to pursue the business side of it. You have to pursue the marketing side of it. And if you're not up to that, you have two options. Either do it, figure out how to do it, or find somebody who will do it for you. But you thought you flat have to do that or you're just not going to be successful and you'll be out of business like so many others. Um, but I think people just need to go, okay, I'm going to commit to this and, and I'm going to, to do it gradually. Um, if you If you're working a full-time job and you want to get into photography, keep your full-time job. You know, when you can no longer, it's like, gee, it's, the photography business is going great guns. Um, I'm, I'm equaling my, my regular business. Uh, great. You know, leave your regular business or, quite honestly, keep hanging on to it. I know people who, uh, many photographers, who kept their full-time jobs and retired from their full-time jobs. And they also ran a photography business on the side. Um, it's it's pretty secure that way. There's nothing wrong with with working as an engineer or or whatever and then doing photography on the side. There's no shame in that. How do you decide to uh, to take risks, or how do you decide when to take risks, rather? That's a great question. Um, you know, I I got into photography when I left the newspaper. I had a wife to support and a son to support, and um, I really, I had to do it. I mean, there just was no option. I had to be successful. And I think that pressure pushed me to where I, I needed to be. Um, I think for some people, you know, the risk of, of leaving a job, that's 
pretty risky. And in this, in today's environment, I would just, you know, I would not encourage people to just throw caution to the wind and just go for it. Just go for it. There's too many um, closed businesses out there, uh, to photography in particular. Uh, be careful. I mean, you don't want to mortgage your family's future on some some dream that maybe you just shouldn't be doing. Um, like I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of photographers out there, and, and um, there's not a lot of people out there with discretionary income. And, and really, that's what our income is based upon, is people's discretionary income. And right now, in this current environment, I would, I would encourage people to just be real cautious. Um, get, get advice from several people that are not related to you. You know, photographers who've been out there doing it for a while, and say, hey, what do you think? What are my possibilities? You know, talk to your, you know, people who are other self-employed people. But, you know, I, I think that, boy, if anything, uh, I'd be encouraging people to not take too many risks these days. Um, that, that's, uh, at least for me, I mean, I'm kind of a conservative guy when it comes to, to risk-taking. Um, I will take risks photographically. I will get what I need photographically, and then I will push myself to another level. Um, yeah, get your income that you need. <laughs> Maybe that'll parlay into photography. Um, get what you need, you know, financially from your job, whatever it is, and then try to try to you know push yourself um, and, and, and do more in your photographic business. So have you ever had any any mentors in, in your life? Have, have you had anyone help guide you through the, the rocky waters? Yeah, I I have had and continue to have mentors. And um, you know, I alluded to Dale Brandt earlier, master photographer, PP of A master photographer. Um, he knew in the beginning I was, was really rough. Um, and uh, but I tried to, to listen and, and pay attention and, and grow, and, and he's always taken me where I was and then pushed me to the next level. He didn't uh, have too lofty of expectations for me. Um, but Dale would probably be one of the, the, the key ones, but certainly I have other friends who, who are photographers, um, some local and some via the Internet, that um, you know, they, they critique my work and, and um, you know, we we push each other, um, but uh, you know I think it's important to have somebody local that can look at you in the face and, and you, know, you you tell them, hey, look, I'm going to take you to lunch. I'm going to take you to you know, Starbucks or whatever, and I'm going to show you ten images, and I want you to go with these images. Um, I've gotten to know some people at the Lockheed Martin Camera Club, uh, to a lesser degree, the Fort Worth Camera Club, some other places, and you know we. We chat about stuff. They get my opinion on stuff, and I always tell them, "Hey, this is my opinion. It's not the gospel, <laughs> you know." Um, but um, you know, and get other people's opinion as well. But I think mentors are huge. What's one of the the best nuggets of advice any one of them has ever given you? Um, boy, to to narrow it down to one, you know, um. Boy, oh boy, I, I don't know that I can think of one that uh, really resonates with me. Um, 
sentence for many, many years and uh, forgotten a bunch. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, but when I was on the, when I started out, <clears throat> when I started out on the staff of the Star Telegram, I was really just kind of a, a hack that uh, wanted to work for a newspaper until I actually uh, contacted, uh, I went down there and started hanging out in the photo lab and back when they had a photo lab. And, um, and then uh, got to know some photographers and asked one of them if I could hang out with him on any signing. And he taught me some great things about lighting and and uh, um, and, and you know that how that that world works and it's a different world. Photojournalism is a very different world from the other styles of photography. And you have to grab things as they happen. You can't fake it. You can't pose people. That's not the bug expired. But um, you know, I think some of the best advice I got was. You know, always, always, uh, you know, not get stuck where you are, not be happy and content with where you are. Keep pushing yourself and keep pushing yourself. And, you know, I've seen older photographers, once you've been at it for a while, they kind of get set in their ways. I remember watching one photographer go down to the Botanic Gardens. And, I mean, it was just mechanistic. He, he went down and, like, okay, I go to this location and I do this pose, and then he went to another location and did another pose, and you know, and he just bounced through very predictable places and did very predictable poses. Uh, how boring would that be, you know? Um, and I respect that photographer, but I just thought, you know, he's going to die on the vine, and sure enough, he's not doing photography anymore, but um, he's had to find another profession. But, but you know, I, I think we have to continue to push ourselves to be better um, than, than the photographer that we were the day before, no matter how long we've been at the profession, we need to continue to push ourselves. So, Rick, if a, if a person were to come to you today and ask for your advice on how to get started with a photography business, what are some of the things you would tell them? I would say find a mentor. Um, you know, you were, you were a student in, in talking about that earlier. And, you know, a mentor can be so critical and, and um, save you an awful lot of money at, at, at photography school. Um, that's that's pretty much a waste of money. Um, you can learn so many of the technical skills, the apertures and shutter speed and ISO and, and yada yada. You can do that online. You can do it on YouTube. You can, um, you can do all that. But find someone that you can get that can be a friend to you, that, that you respect both personally and professionally, someone who would take you under their wing and, and um, you know, just work with them and, and, and be humble, too. I think one of the hardest things for new photographers is that when they get started and, and someone comes up and says, well, you know, really the light that you're using on this person is just not appropriate, and let me tell you why. And I think for some photographers, it's real easy to, to take that, that, that critique of their work and, and and allow it to become a personal criticism of them, and it's not about them. It's it's about the image that you created. And you have to distance yourself from that, and, and you have to be able to say, okay, you're talking about this photo. They're not talking about me. I'm not a bad person. I just took a picture that didn't quite meet the standard. And I think too often that we right brain creative people um, can confuse those two. Topics and, and uh, you guys are okay, great, thank you, man. That's that's good advice. Let me go out and, and, and try to do it better. 
So where can people find out more about who you are and what you do? My website is www.daltonphoto.com. And um, there on the website is my uh, email address and uh, phone number and everything is right there. And if there's a young photographer who'd like to uh, um, ask me some questions, I really don't mind that. Please don't bury me with 50 photos you want me to critique. <laughs> Um, but certainly, I, I know a lot of us will be more than happy to sit down with someone and um, every once in a while and, and, and talk to them about the business side or, or the uh, professional photography side. Just, just be willing to understand that we do have jobs, we do have families, and our families and, and are as much, if not more, of a priority than our job. And you know, we want to help, but you know, um, we do have boundaries too. Well, Rick, thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you. Enjoyed it. And I wish everybody the best. And, and uh, pursue photography. That's great. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of joy to be had in it. There's a lot of rewards, both emotional and, and potentially financial. But if you don't get to the financial, it doesn't mean that, that you're, you're not a good photographer. It just means that, you know, you haven't made a lot of money at it. And that's totally okay. There's a lot of great photographers who don't make a lot of money at it. And for those of you listening, you can find this podcast at roastedpepperstudios.com, and we're listed on iTunes now at The Business of Photography. Thanks for listening.